can make your way back to your space, that'd be awesome. Yes. Are you at your space now? You good? Everybody comfortable with where you are? All right. I'm not going to make you move or anything. It's okay. Just relax. We're not a perfect church or perfect people. We're here because we know we're not. And we know that Jesus Christ is the answer to our imperfection, which is sin. And he came for us. And God loves us. And that's a pretty awesome thing. And so as a church, we're here to know Christ and then to make him known. And so our call as a church and as individual believers is not only to live for Christ, but let people know who he is by our living and by our words and by our life and uh, by our worship. And so I hope that you're accomplishing that as you walk with him in your life. And we have a couple things happening today that I need to make you aware of. Please make sure you grab a bulletin or download our app or uh, just uh, go to the website, any of that stuff. And uh, it'll let you know what's happening. We have uh, group meetings through the week uh, on Sunday mornings, Sunday afternoon. We have uh, classes for all ages. There's all kinds of stuff available to help you in, in growing as an individual. And then also for uh, building relationships within the body of Christ. You're never going to build a relationship in the church by simply just coming to church on Sunday. You know you need to fellowship with one another and grow in your faith together through the week as well. And that's where our relationships grow and stuff. So please keep that in mind and be a part of what's happening, all right? Today at 4 o'clock we have a membership class. If you want to know about the church and you want to, you don't have to join the church if you come to the class. Actually today you won't even be able to. I don't even let you uh, join the class today, uh, the church today. I just give you the information. You need to go and pray about it. Uh, we know that we're a part of the church of Jesus Christ when we accept Christ as our Savior, okay? So don't misinterpret when we say a church membership. We know that you need to be saved, and then we're part of the body of Christ, which is the church universal. Uh, the, the individual church membership class that we offer is, is that if God's calling you to be a part of this family and this body and this community, that is the membership we're talking about, is that we belong and that we're going to function in the ministry of what God's doing here. So that'll make a little bit more sense this afternoon, a little bit, and, uh, and hopefully you'll know what to do from there and God will give you that direction. So we uh, do our offerings in the boxes on the walls and, and um, you know, we just, you can give online as well. And uh, we just, a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about finances that go to the church. One of the things I'll let you know right now, and I, and I never do this part, but I'm letting you know, I don't even know what you give. I have no idea. Um, I don't look at those things. I know we get a financial record for our board that we look at every month, but I have no idea what you give. The only people that I know what they give is my wife and I. We give our tithes and offerings every week. To That's between you and God, but I do believe there's a responsibility for us to give to him and for the church. Uh, the electricity alone here is almost $2,000 a month. That's on the budget. So, you know, like when it, a lot of people, I've actually had people ask me what I do with all the money that go in the offering box. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, they think I don't pay taxes. They think a lot of things. But, you know, I pay taxes. Like a church plant, they're uh, going, uh, what is this, their third or fourth week, fifth week? Maybe, no, it's actually a month, isn't it? Well, time goes fast. They're, uh, they're having services up there. And we've been collecting money, just asking you to put your change in there. Obviously, some people are putting dollar bills in there, and that's fine, too. 100% of that is going to Red Rock. And uh, last month alone, we collected $490 in that change jar for the church. That's pretty cool. It is. Uh, they're very blessed, and we're excited to be a part of what God's doing there. And that's like, you know how when Jesus said, go forth and make disciples of all nations? And he said, I'll go with you always. In uh, Roman, I mean, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
He said, uh, you know, going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts of the earth. He was saying we definitely have a responsibility to where we live, and we're supposed to be witnesses where we live first. First and foremost, guys, you're a missionary to your neighborhood, to your workplace, to those that you live around and your schools and everything else. You are a missionary there. That's your first calling. But you're not just called there. We're called to be effective ministry that goes not only from Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, and other most parts of the earth. Uh, Red Rock, if you've been out there, may feel like the uttermost parts of the earth, but it's actually just our... Our Judea is what it is, you know, it's our neighboring community. And so we're uh, planting those seeds there to see God's church grow there, and that's awesome. I'm so blessed. We uh, have regular uh, weekly conversations with uh, Cody and Ashley, uh, the pastors, co-pastors that are doing that, and uh, very excited about what God's doing there. They had a great Easter celebration like we did, and uh, God's moving there, and it's pretty awesome what he's doing. So I just want to say thanks. Thank you for all of your support last Sunday for the Easter season special services and things with the breakfast, with the egg hunt. It was a blast. I don't know if you made it down there or if you maybe saw some films on uh, Facebook. Are you hearing what the Spirit is saying to you? Did you spend some time alone with God this week? Amen. All right. So, you know, we have a first service at 8 o'clock. And, uh, yeah, it is at 8 o'clock, by the way. Uh, I know the app's at 8.15, the flyer says 8.30, and the website's at 8 o'clock. Uh, you know, I don't know what happens, but some things just go, you know, but it's actually at 8 o'clock, so if you want to ever join us in the Glass Chapel for acoustic worship in time there at 8 o'clock. Um, but as I was preparing, this morning was a technically challenged morning for me, and as I was working on my computer and stuff and putting things together for the, the service, and it was uh, it was so awesome because, you know, uh, God's so good to us, and sometimes we're just too dumb to understand it, you know? I always, on Saturdays, you know, I put stuff together for today on my computer and stuff, and I came up and met with the worship team last night, and so when I got home, I had done a little bit of it in the daytime, and I was like, hey, I'll get it in the morning. You know, no problem, you know, I get up early and stuff, and turn on my computer, and I'm in the, I'm putting things together, you know, like I do, and my computer just shut off and said, I'm restarting. And we're updating Windows, and it's still running at the house now. I mean, I just, I mean, I could not believe it. I, I, mean, I didn't even ask permission, you know. It just, yeah, it's kind of funny because I was like, what did I do with that thing? Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything's electronic, you know. I mean, it is. I carry it everywhere. So I, I had to go in there and get my Bible out, got a, a piece of paper, you know. Like, I haven't used one of them forever. Pen, and I'm trying to find everything. I'm like, well, I got to. How am I going to do this? I got to write this stuff down, you know? And, and so I started doing it. Hey, long story short, you know, God's good. He gave me total peace, and he's like, I got this. You know? And it was like, you know, I know he always has it. I do know that. I completely rely on him. But obviously there was a part of me that was still trying to do this. And as I was sitting there at the table, I just started laughing. And I'm like, God, you know what? I don't need one note. I don't need one electronic thing. I don't need anything but you. What do you want to say? And it was just like, he just like, well, we finally got there. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> My iPad started working. It was, seriously. It was just like one of those things where he's just checking you. And so when we were in first service worship, uh, Naomi was up with the worship team. Uh, Naomi's the one that was standing right here. And uh, she, in the first service, talked about us being the pinnacle of God's creation and all that. And God just totally began to speak to me again about reminding me of things about who he is. That 
when I moved, my wife and I are from the Detroit metro area. If you don't know that, that's where we, we literally were both born and raised in a five-mile circle and never lived outside of that circle until we moved here 11 years ago. Now, I am a Swedish descent. My father's 100% Swedish, and we're very nomadic people, as you can tell. I took that very seriously in my, <laughs> in my life. But anyway, we were within this little circle of things, and I just figured we live and die there, you know, because I knew the culture and the people, and, and the Detroit metro area is a very uh, uh, rough, hard. It was normal to me. Other pastors would come in from the outside to pastor a church, and they're like, wow, we can't believe how hard this place is. It's so dark, and I'm like, mm normal to me you know I didn't notice so I thought well you know God you called me here because this doesn't feel like anything other than normal so when he called us here um, I'd never traveled much there's a point to everything so we were we didn't travel much if we did anything if you're from that the Midwest area any, any of y'all you know this like when you talk about going on vacation you just say yeah we're going up north that's what you do all right, hey, just, that's what it is. You just say, I'm going up north. Everybody knows why you're going away. You're going to the woods, you're going to the lake, you're going to do something like that, right? Okay, so that's all I ever did. I, I always went north. I mean, Ohio was south of us, so we wouldn't go there. Uh, we <laughs> um, that was just for the benefit of our Ohio friends that are here today, all right? So anyway, so you know you went up north because anything south of there was not good. So uh, when we traveled out here to Candidate, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I, that's, that was the joke as I was growing up. I don't still think that. There's hope for everyone in Jesus. So when I, when I, <laughs> all right, let's go. When I, uh, when I was come out here with my family, you know, we had heard about Tucson uh, simply by someone said there was a church there and we were going to go candidate. We knew nothing about Tucson. And uh, my, da my dad's actual words to me were, why would you go to that godforsaken desert? And uh, I mean, seriously, I was, that, that's still his thoughts when he speaks to me. But anyway, when we got here, you know, uh, having been a flatlander all my life and I saw the mountains, uh, it was a pretty incredible thing to me. They made a huge impact on me. And as I looked at them, and God called us here to serve and to be in this church, I would drive the streets of Tucson, and God would, I would look at the mountains, and I, I made a prayer to him, and I said, God, please help me to never lose sight of those mountains, because when you get in your daily life, you focus on where you're going, and when you're driving around this town, you're usually focused on the person doing 10 miles under the speed limit that you're trapped behind you know and so when you're driving around here and you're frustrated and you say you hate tucson and you want to get out of here because it's driving you nuts and uh, and and it's frustrating you and you're trying to get somewhere and your eyes are focused right there in front of you every once in a while god taps me on the shoulder and says look up just look up and i look up at the mountains and i'm like i remember thank you Thank you, God. I remember that I get myself trapped sometimes in my, my life where all I'm focusing on is this next moment and my next appointment, my next place to be. Even if I don't have a place to be, sometimes I can get locked in on getting there and, and get frustrated in the process. And God's just kind of wakes us up. And so when Naomi was talking over there and I looked out the glass chapel windows to the mountains, I was like, God, 
you are so awesome that, you know, when you breathed all that into existence, and when you read the creation story, and God commanded the waters to back off and the land to come forth, and it did, and the land came up, and God was doing all these things, and all those rock shelves were being pushed up, and then he left the flat lands so that we could have harvest and food and the waters and all that. God um, was like, this is awesome. God said that. He did. He said it's good. And, then, and it tells us in the scriptures that Jesus was part of all of creation. It was God breathed through the word, which is him. He created all things, and by hands, hands, all things were made. When Jesus Christ was the formation of all that is here, he did it because it was for him to enjoy. He said that for his pleasure. So like God looks at those mountains the same way I do, and he's like, those, those things are awesome. He looks at the swirl cactus, and he says, those things are awesome. I mean, he, he does all these things, and he thinks it's amazing. And he says, hey, Dave, don't forget about who I am. Because I, I you know, I'm in that, five mile circle and I'm like uh, this is where God is and this is where I am and this is all that's going on and he just kind of taps us on the shoulder and so this morning I really want God to tap you on the shoulder and get you out of your five mile circle and would you just look up for a second stop looking at all the crap in your life alright there's, there's plenty of that around I know that sorry if that's I don't mean that to offend anybody by using that language my mom would smack me for that. Um, I, I'm saying, like, I guess that's really what it is, though. It is. It's all around us, right? So can you just look above that for, for this little time in this message? Look above all that. Just get your eyes off everything that's frustrating you, everything that's not going on or is going on. And let's look at God with a fresh, new look. I, um, being raised in the church uh, as a pastor's kid, was taught about Jesus from the moment I could breathe. I was in church uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I had Sunday school before first service in the morning. Then we had worship. Then we had an evening worship. And on Wednesday, we had prayer meeting. January, we had a 10-day revival that would start Friday and would run Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then in the fall, we would have another revival. Then there was camp meeting in the summer. Okay, you get my, my meaning is that it, it was church and God were every aspect of my life. And, um, and I resented some of it in my teenage years. And I didn't follow God even though I knew he was real. I knew that Jesus was the Savior. I knew he died for me. I knew the word of God was truth. I knew that there was a heaven and a hell. I knew that if I didn't do what God said and follow his word and his will, that I would go to hell, deservedly so, because I was rejecting his grace. I knew that. And I told him, I don't care. And so as a teenager, when I walked through that uh, valley of death, of rejecting God the whole while, God and his mercy calling out to me, it's, it's, it blows my mind, guys, that... that blows my mind that this incredible creator of the universe would even tolerate this guy right here who as a little tiny squeaky little kid said no when he called when he would gently knock on my heart's door and say come here 
I want you. And I would tell him no. And I would say maybe later. Maybe when I get older. And I would get mad at him and blame him for all kinds of things in my life. For the way that I was raised. I hated my father. I hated what God had, had put me in in my family. And it wasn't bad. Trust me, I'm not saying that. But that's how I felt. And you know, this, this unbelievable God. When I was 19 years old and, and I finally was like, hey, you know, I want to know you're there. And he poured his spirit down of conviction on me and called me to him once again. He just received me. Just like that. He just received me. And it wasn't that he just received me. He mercifully washed all that crud out of my heart, my stomach, my mind, all that I was carrying with me of the, the anxieties of my life, the sin of my life, he took it. And I will never, ever, ever, ever forget when I took the breath of God into me again. And that moment in January of 1982, when I breathed in and the weight of the world lifted off of me that I didn't even realize I was carrying, and it was the sin of my life and the creator of the universe. <laughs> just swept it away and he breathed his breath into me and that person I had become through all of my own stupidity and behavior and life choices he said you are not that any longer <laughs> guys look man I'm, I'm telling you it's, you've heard this from me and you're going to hear it till I die two weeks later Two weeks later, God allowed that same boy with all of his stupidity and all that he was and wasn't and all that to step into a pulpit of a church and preach a message about Jesus. Two weeks after I got saved, God opened a door for me to do that. No, I mean, it, yeah, I, he's amazing. And in and, and all of my ignorance, God used my ignorance and he still does. Y'all know that. No, but he did. He used my ignorance because in my ignorance, I just simply trusted him. That's all I did. And it was like, okay, God, you're giving me this opportunity, so what do you want me to say? Let's do this. And God would just fill me with his word. I mean, it just was like, whoop, there it is. Okay, let's go and make it happen. So, like, I didn't have any official training to be a pastor. I didn't know what it meant to, to expositorily preach or any. I didn't know any of that stuff. You know, I knew Jesus, and, and Jesus knew me, and he would just, like, flood my heart with a message, and I would go deliver it. But my heart's desire was to get an education to become a pastor. This, isn't, this is all about Jesus, by the way, so don't let the devil tell you it's about Dave, because it's not, okay? Because I wanted to have an education, because I wanted to be the best I could be for him. And so as I sought to go to school, Kim and I were married a year after we were saved. She was 19, I was 20 years old. We got married because we wanted to, not because we had to. Um, and so we, uh, we <laughs> it's sad you got to clarify those things these days, but it's true. Um, you know, we felt called of God to, to have our life together. So anyway, I, um, you know, I knew I was called to preach and to be a pastor. And so I was looking for schools and to go to, to get the official training. But from the day that I started preaching, I didn't stop. And God kept opening pulpits for me to preach his word. But I wanted training. And so we actually had everything lined up to go to the Nazarene Bible College, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 
had apartment schedules and all that stuff and we were going to go there because they accommodated married couples and uh, so we wanted to go there and it was like we were preparing planning and everything and God absolutely came to me in my prayer time and said no clear as a bell no and I was like okay I didn't understand it went and told Kim it's a no we're not going don't know why but we're not okay guys here's the long and short of it Dave is not uh, Dave is an ill-equipped ill-prepared ignorant guy And Jesus said, you know, I want you to understand that, Dave, if anything happens through you, it happens because of me, not because you have this education, not because you have these abilities, not because you can do anything. He's like, look, I want to use you. I have chosen you, and I'm going to use you. And so I submit myself to him and say to you all today that anything that comes out of being in this church or through the ministry that God has done through us has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. It is a work of God that happens in our lives. And when God brought me down this road, he was showing me things and revealing things in my heart, church, that I want to share with you this morning that rocked my world and changed me because, see, I had been brought up in the church and I had a view of God. I had an understanding of God. I had an understanding of salvation and grace and all these things, the Trinity. I, I mean, I, I knew those things, okay? You understand me? I knew those things. So when I began preaching, I preached what I knew, what the Bible said, what God was speaking into my life. But as I began to study the Word of God, now with the Spirit of God teaching me, in my heart being open to what he's saying to me, I began to see this God as a different God than I had learned him to be. He's not a different God, please understand that, but he was different than I had learned him to be. And then what I had learned through the years was that I would begin to read the Bible with a filter in my mind and my heart that would reveal God the one I knew. So when I would read verses, I would make those verses be the God I knew. Okay, please, you'll understand this. If, if, uh, you probably already do, but stay with me. Then God began to show me that some of the things that I'd been taught weren't really biblical. They used Bible. They used verses. But it wasn't what the Bible or the verses were saying, and it wasn't who God was. But it was men looking to try and help other men become godly and so their interpretation of what it meant to be godly was beginning to read into the bible and then onto your life and what happens in that respect is you become a uh, burdened legalistic believer now a lot of times if you've been around the church for a long time you think legalism is dresses and hairs in a bun and no makeup and that is what it used to be and it still is in a lot of areas but I want to challenge you and say that there are people in this room that are very legalistic about their faith and it has nothing to do with the clothes you wear. Okay? What I mean by that is we think that what we believe is holy and everything else isn't. I am not preaching a gospel other than Jesus Christ, so don't get nervous. There is no other gospel besides the gospel of good news of Jesus Christ. There is no other but church, here's the problem. We begin to see God through our filter and we begin to 
move within the five-mile circle of who we know him to be because we're comfortable with who he is right there. And we aren't comfortable with God doing something different than how we perceive him to move. When we first moved here in 2005 in the church, this church that was over on Broadway, when the worship service started, it was silent. It was silent. I mean, people sang, but that's it. And they stood when they sang, like we do still. There's no reason for that, by the way. We just do it. I don't know why. All right, but anyway, uh, it's, it's the people stood. But there wasn't like clapping. No one would clap in church. I mean, come on. Maybe a person might have raised their hand once or twice. But since 2005, now what, what's happened in our worship, I'm using this as an illustration to you, is that what's happened in our worship now, we clap all the time. And you know what? Sometimes you don't even know why you're clapping. The end of the song. I mean, seriously, right? And, and it was pretty funny because I heard him talking about, I don't know if that was practice this morning or yesterday, and I was preparing myself. I'm like, you know, that like we finish a song and it's our time to clap. I, I want you to know that we can become legalistic in that as well. It's like, you know, we're a clapping church, so everybody clap, come on. You know, hey, we like, no, I mean, seriously, I don't, I don't care if you clap, I don't care if you shout, I don't care if you dance, I don't care what you do, I really don't, as long as you do it for the Lord. All right, that's it. And so if you're doing it for the Lord, do it. And undignified is what his wife said. She did. She said, you, uh, you are undignified out there. You did not handle yourself properly. And he said, you wait and see. I'll become more undignified than this. That's what he told her, right? You know. Yeah. I'm not going to dance. Don't worry. That would be very undignified. All right. So what is all this bringing us to, church? Why am I even talking about all this? Because today... As we look into the Word of God, we're all taking Scripture and bringing it through a filter of some kind. Because we've all had a foundation in our life. We have all had a spiritual foundation put in us as a child as a foundation on which our life is built, and it sticks with us. doesn't mean you always follow it. It just means it's there. So you have had a spiritual formation of some type in your life. It maybe was atheism, but it's still a spiritual formation. Maybe Catholicism. Maybe new age, maybe this, maybe that. Maybe they see God in a light of he's pretty uh, judgmental, harsh, and you have to earn his favor. And the legalistic people, uh, which can be in any group of people, they view God as a, a thou shalt not. And that's basically what your life is. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Now, there are 10 commandments of thou shalt not. I'm not denying that. But we've spilled it into a, you know, 100. Because they align with my theology. And then I read verses that don't align with my theology, and I read over them. I, you ever done that? See, because what I do is I'm like, I, I get that because that's what I know. But when those verses you read that you've been baptized in Jesus Christ, I'm asking you all that. Have you been? He said, if you've had this encounter with God, then should you be living in sin any longer? Amen. Hallelujah. So then, why are you? I'm serious. What? For you and I. We no longer need to be the slave of sin. All right? Now, Satan 
is not one to just allow us to go free without a fight. He is a hard taskmaster, and he believes he has a right to own you. Who do you obey? Sin was your master, and you did obey its drives, correct? All right. Then, church, if we are truly gods, and we have bought in, and we have said yes to him, and we're saying yes to what he's done for us, then now, about a quiet time right here, I'm asking you this. Are you living the resurrected life through the power of God? Are you? You can and you must. Who do you belong to? Make that proclamation right now. I'm serious. I want you to own who you belong to right now. Who is it? Okay. In what specific area of your life do you need to rise up and take the victory that's provided through Christ's death and resurrection? In other words, where are you still living like a slave to sin? Where's that happening in your life? Okay, you're either free or you're not. Amen? Okay, now, you know, as I'm growing in God, I'm becoming more free. All right? You follow me like I'm maturing in my faith and I'm seeing God better. I'm understanding what his word says to me better and clearer. And so as I look at what the word of God's saying to me and he's showing me who he is, I'm like, I'm being set free from who I thought he was, who I made him to be, and who I was trying to be to measure over sin. And I'm choosing that life. God is still working on areas of my life that I don't even realize still own me. Right? The work of Christ is complete, but Dave's got to step into the completion. And so God reveals and he's like, what about this? What about that? And I, I think I'm doing really well, and then that's what I'm talking about. It's one of those moments. He just taps you on the shoulder and says, look up, and it's like, oh, man. Yeah, do I need you, Lord? And it's another moment of surrender. Church, we will never stop having moments of surrenders until we die. Okay, so I don't know you. God does. And so right now, we're going to just crumble up that filter and...